This is Music Respawn. I'm Kate Remington with six members of the amazing band Disco Cactus. And so let's just go around and you guys can all say hi. Doug Perry is percussion and vibes. And Doug, it's great to have a chance to talk with you. Hi, it's great to be here. And Laura and Travia, voice and flute and Iwi. And it's always great to talk with you. Always a pleasure here as well. <laughs> and Ben Wallace, keyboards. Hey, Ben. Hello. Thank you for having us. And Mateus is a violin and electric violin. It's great to see you again, Mateus. Happy to be here, Kate. Pete Babinski, guitarist. Really glad you could be here. Hello. And Sam Babinski, double bass. It's just, we've got everybody here. It's great to have you along, Sam. Yes, hello. Uh, first time, long time. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. It has been. I'm so glad you guys are all here. And it's going to be really fun to talk about your album, Mania Mode, which is just an unbelievable blend of game music themes and you know you guys have been performing together for so long now and so i thought well it'd be kind of neat to get a little bit of history and i'm really curious about how you guys all got together in the first place well um i guess <laughs> i can kind of take the lead That's on that story one. i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. <Doug> should go. <laughs> <laughs> um i guess it was originally a project that Ben and I fell into while we were in grad school together at the Yale School of Music in New Haven. It started out as a collection of music students that were interested in playing more popular styles of music and, you know, just music generally outside the scope of Western classical music. I think um, Mateus was so, involved too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, yeah. Mateus, yeah, so Ben and Mateus and I we would play these transcriptions of like EDM tunes that people would put together. And sometimes we would play video game music. And there was one year that I invited the two of them and some of our other friends to go to MAGFest, mm -hmm. which I'm sure uh, you've heard of and many of your oh, listeners are familiar yeah, with. Yeah, sure. Festival. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was there that we sort of set up in the hallway, uh, much akin to the, the jam pod format that they have now, and decided to just play video game music for the people walking about. And uh, it caught on that year in a way that we weren't really expecting. We figured that we would do it for a little bit and then somebody would walk over and ask us to leave, <laughs> which is what normally happens. <laughs> Um, and sure enough, as we were playing, we saw some, you know, some people with the MAGFest staff branding and we were thinking, okay, after this tune, I'm sure this person's going to walk over to me and tell me that we have to pack up and go. And sure enough, we stopped playing and that person walked over to me and said, excuse me, sir, I just wanted to say, do you guys need anything like water? <laughs> wow. Are you okay. And Here, have some yeah, we were just like. Yeah, <laughs> they gave us these the little MAGFest rupees, which was like their their sort of bonus convention currency. Mm. Um, and they basically said, we really appreciate you guys playing here. We think this is really the spirit of what MAGFest is all about. And we're so glad you're doing this, which was a huge surprise and very, uh, very welcome uh, thing to have said to us. Um, and at the time, we didn't really have a name. We didn't really have any sort of formal organization but people kept coming up to us asking what our band was called. <laughs> and I just, one of us blurted out of the top of our, off the top of our heads, uh, Disco Cactus, which had been 
a working title that Ben came up with. Yeah, it was, it was Ben's a, idea. Yeah. Was, yeah. Ben, you want to talk about that expression marking from the year sheet <laughs> oh, music? Oh God. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I believe it was like it was the fall before we went to Magfest for the for what well, for me that was, it was my first Magfest. We were it was 2013, and so it was the hundred year anniversary of the premiere of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. So everybody was yeah. doing their big Rite of Spring projects or whatever. Um, and there was a couple of them happening at Yale. And the one that we were all involved in was, uh, so like me and a couple of other people were arranging the Rite of Spring for this sort of disco-y ensemble, this little like condensed thing and sort of turning it into sort of like funk jazz type things. And around this time, this is so random, around, around this time was when Facebook messenger introduced these big stickers you could put in the messages and one of the packets you could download was like a bunch of cacti that looked inc incredibly cute and fun and there was this one that was like ah, you know and so i was using it in all of my correspondences with people um, i'm sorry it was like what yeah yeah um and i also have a habit of putting really dumb like jokes into my sheet music <laughs> Just for the players, not for like the audience. It's just little inside joke things. And so I was writing this disco music. I was having fun with these cacti stickers. So I just put in all caps, disco cactus above one of the rehearsal markings. Um, and then I think when we performed it, um, if you guys remember Ashley Smith was, I might actually still have a video of this actually. Ashley Smith was a bass clarinetist we were working with. And he blurts out in the middle of us performing this at this little hair salon summer. He goes, disco cactus Woo! <laughs> um, and i think from then on the name kind of stuck <laughs> and now you're stuck with it now, we're stuck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we have a logo we can't get rid of yeah. it <laughs> yeah but yeah i guess i guess it was that magfest that sort of solidified a video game music identity to the group and you know mm -hmm. as we got out of grad school and as we grew those projects that we were involved with with that particular body of students started to fizzle out but um ben and mateus and i were still interested in playing video game music together um and eventually roped sam and pete into the project and then finally laura who came up to me after our magfest 2016 <laughs> performance and said uh can i be in disco cactus <laughs> and i just said okay <laughs> If only more people tried that, you know, yeah. the, the bands like Muse would be so much bigger if people just asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's phenomenal because each one of you guys have such a, an incredible gift with the, the instruments that you have. And it's just amazing how you get them to blend together because it really you know, you, if you think about it, you know, bassoons and iwis and violin and, and keyboards and marimba don't necessarily all play nicely together, but you guys have a way of, of doing that. And Ben, I know you've been maybe doing the lion's share of making the arrangements over the years. So I'd love to know, you know, how you get everybody to you know, play together nicely. Sure. Yeah. I would say I, I have a lot of like the, the big, the big arrangements for the group, but um, I actually um, only arranged like one and a half of the tunes on this album, <laughs> um, Mateus and I shared one and then I had the opening and I think Doug and Laura both did three, I believe. Yeah, and uh, I wanna ask you guys yeah. about those too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know, I don't, 
that is an interesting observation that I hadn't really considered before. Um, I think I think some of it has to do partially with like our like conservatory training a little bit, um, and the fact that like we all kind of fell into this combination of instruments. I think again because of what Doug was mentioning, like these were the people who were interested in doing something together, and that was the instrumentation that kind of came that kind of just like naturally evolved out of it. And so we ended up running with that. And I have struggled a little bit to figure out how to get all these instruments to play nice with each other. And it definitely like took quite a while, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> now. I don't, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Like, again, I think it comes, I think it kind of comes from like a conservatory background. Like I have a lot of experience writing for orchestra and orchestration particularly has always been like an extreme passion of mine. And so I'm always interested in trying to, you know, get this like really like rich sound out of like whatever instruments I have. Um, so I think that's how we've been able to successfully blend, you know, woodwinds specifically with all of these rock instruments, which is not a combination that's particularly common. If I might chip in for just a second, you know, as a person who uh, contributed with half of an arrangement for this album, <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, one other point that is nice to consider is that we've had the privilege of um, of really kind of building the identity of this group um, through uh, mostly, how can I say, empirical experiences. So, um, you know, it didn't come from one of us, any of us particularly sitting down in front of a computer and being like, oh, how can I figure out like these sounds, you know, but rather it was us just playing together in hallways, sometimes yeah. in bars, sometimes in, in the schools, you know, that, that we went to. Um, and um, yeah, I, and it, it is funny because, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm one of the ones that contributes, con contributes maybe the least in, the, in terms of around, amount of arrangements, but Every time I've arranged something for this group, I always know that I can write something, but each individual musician will make it better than what I wrote. <laughs> you know, and that is, and that's yeah. a really nice, it, it's a really nice, um, yeah, it's a really nice char characteristic to have in a group, you know, to be able to just like, you know, in, in a way be like, okay, I have this kind of a starting idea and, you know, and I trust completely and you know these wonderful people that will make it even better yeah. you know if if i could if i could add on even further to just that idea part of part of what is helpful with balancing instrumentation even just amongst the seven of us like the six of us and, and a drummer in the mix mm -hmm. is the fact that most of us or i don't know all of us do have some experience with improvising maybe maybe it's like some of us more than others like but it's just like we're we're pretty attuned with like what each other is doing so like if we've got we've got three chordal instruments in the ensemble in the core ensemble piano guitar and vibraphone so it's like okay if this if what we're playing has like more of like a a jammy funk type thing going and and Pete is doing the waka chicka waka chicka waka thing then like Doug will like like has a way of like being like, okay, how do I not do exactly that? How do I, what other color can I add in there that doesn't clash with that? Um, and like vice versa, like if it's a little more spacey and, and open, is there, is there just like a couple like little 
high register chords that Pete can just like swell in with and stuff like that. So yeah. that's that's that also has something to do with that, I think. Yeah. Well, I was curious about how much of the 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 music that you play, what gets recorded, is written down, and how much of it is improvised. So maybe you guys could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know that does vary from arranger to arranger quite a bit. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I love talking about the way that we arrange and the way that we work together because um, I think something that's really unique and special about this group is that we all have like various levels and various backgrounds with arranging music. So for somebody like me, who actually comes from a pretty heavy jazz background, you'll see in most of my arrangements swaths of music, especially for the rhythm section instruments that are just slashes, chord mm. symbols, do your thing here. Wow. Whereas, you know, when I look at maybe arrangements like by Ben and Laura, for example, you'll see fewer slash marks and more very precise orchestrational decisions made. Um, so it really does sort of depend on who is the one arranging and what their intentions are. But I will say to add to many of the comments that everybody has been uh, weighing in uh, with in terms of our process, we arrange very collaboratively mm -hmm. um, and we lean on each other for feedback and guidance quite a bit. So oftentimes I might do the, the you know, the slash marks thing, but if I'm going to put it in like a wind part, let's say I put it in Laura's part, I might say something like, I don't know how your instrument works, but can you yeah. do something that sounds like this, you know? And then that's sort of Laura's cue to go, okay, I'll figure something out there. Or when we're playing together, you know, we'll try something and there might be a moment where like one of us will just go, okay, I didn't really actually know what you should do there. So what do you think you should do there? Mm, you know? Wow, wow. Well, I'd love to talk with you about how the album came to be because it's a it's a huge project for you guys. I mean, you've been doing a lot of performing and you've made YouTube videos, but a whole album and kind of, you know, figuring out what the, the story arc of the album is going to be and how you even chose the music. It must have been just an incredibly intensive project. And so, well, first of all, how did you come up with the idea for an album? I, I want to turn this over to Laura. I mean, this is, we, we've wanted to do yeah. an album for a long time, but in a very sort of nebulous, like, wouldn't it be cool if we had an album? Maybe we could record some stuff sort of way. But, but Laura has to explain why the album title is not Cisco Dactus now. Go, Laura. <laughs> we had a whole, we, I think we had a hundred names on that spreadsheet. And the only one we agreed on was Mania Mode, like out of all of them. So um, yeah, before I was, um, a part of part of the disco crew like I had you know seen them perform at MAGFest and stuff and like I wasn't like really officially in the ensemble and I, I'd heard the you know the guys talking about like how they wanted to do an album and everything and I think one year I finally just put together a short presentation <laughs> um, with like perhaps even spreadsheets and calculations already done out of um of doing a kickstarter um to to fund it because we didn't, it, we were very informal, like we didn't have, you know, an LLC or any, any of that stuff that would like enable you to like seek funding and stuff like yeah. that. And I just, I think it, you know, it was the year of the pandemic. Yeah. It, that was when we were talking about it. And then like, it was, I think it was February of that year. And then the pandemic hit and we were like, okay, maybe we should postpone this for a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just went hardcore into researching how to do it. Cause I always had this like sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? insecurity about trying to pursue some kind of like hardcore business you know like <laughs> like mentality about music because like we're, we're musicians we're not 
we're not trained in this stuff. You know, right. we don't learn about how to run a business in music school. And I just, I read so many articles <laughs> over the span of like a month. I just, I looked up all these different things and I crunched the numbers and I was like, okay, I think theoretically we should be able to pull this off. And um, we ended up having to postpone it for a year because we knew like that it, there was basically no way, even if we secured the funding that we would feel comfortable, like being able to reserve a recording space in 2020, like when sure. there weren't even vaccines or anything like that, you know, it was very nebulous. So we postponed it to 2021 and <laughs> boy, it was a ride. There was all sorts <laughs> of stuff I had missed. Like I didn't realize we needed to have a bank account. So one day I was just like, guys, I gotta go to the bank. And I just got in the car, <laughs> set up a meeting and did all that like in a day. Um, and I learned so much from it, but like, it, it was, it really was a team effort. But I, I, I think Doug wanted me to, to take the reins on this because I was kind of the one that was crunching the numbers for everything and, and sort of figuring out like how, how you go about like putting together an album. And like, I, I made so many mistakes along the way. <laughs> there were so many like calculations I didn't do correctly, but the Kickstarter like completely surprised all of us. I was hoping we would maybe make the base goal and within hours we had exceeded it by like a wide mark like such a wide margin that we hadn't even put out the next stretch goal oh, <laughs> so wow. we were like we we're like yeah. hey we we funded the album and, and also this stretch goal you didn't know about here's number two you know? <laughs> <laughs> surprise and um so it, it was just this onslaught of support and i think i think it was doug who was talking to somebody like one of our friends about like and he was saying this is insane i can't believe we had such a, a huge uh, response and they said like People have been waiting for this for a long time. And that yeah, was this a is huge this is what I, I thought you were gonna tell Laura the because like um, you know we would play at Megfests, we'll do shows there, and then people would always ask us, oh, like mm -hmm. when like where's your album? When is it coming out? Let me buy yep. it. I want it. I want it now. <laughs> and then after one show, I think Laura was on stage if I'm not mistaken, and somebody in the audience just screamed like, oh, where's your album? And then Laura was like, it's coming out, Cisco Dactus or something. Like, oh, wait, okay. I do remember that. Yeah, it was our panel. That was our panel, yeah. Oh. That's right. I forgot about oh, that. Is. There it is. Yeah, anyway. We were <laughs> we were on we were up on the stage and Tommy Rosati, our friend, texted me and he said, I have the album name, Cisco Dactus. So I just like <laughs> announced it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was in the beginning of uh, of 2020, and that's when we were first starting to talk about it. And yeah, yeah. it was a long time coming, but we we like we were just so, it was such a morale boost like we really have like leveled up we, we call it leveling up <laughs> like every time we, we do something that we like when we did our magfest show in 2020 like we felt like we leveled up then and we did the kickstarter it's i think it's our just way of describing like oh we've got a morale boost and also like we are all collectively taking this like even a little bit more seriously now and like really building towards it rather than sort of letting it be this like as doug said like sort of this nebulous thing that we do for fun we want to make it into something and so it, it's just been a wild ride but sure yeah well <laughs> so you, you upgraded your instruments and you modified oh, yeah. it all kinds <laughs> of stuff. we added you know bionic elements to our own bodies <laughs> you know, all that stuff i wish we had enough pedals. money to do that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, how much time did you give yourselves originally to, to put the album together? Not enough. Uh, not enough. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the real answer is, but the answer is always not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we were thinking um, when we when I put together the Kickstarter um, that we would run the Kickstarter like over the summer and then in by like December, we would put out the album. Bad idea. Mm. 
don't try to do that um, during, you know, the holiday season. So we ended up, it, it just took us a while to get all the elements in place, like, you know, including my emergency run to the bank mission. Um, so we ended up running it like closer to like the, well, it was the end of the summer, but closer to the fall. And um, we were originally, you know, projecting that we would have it released in February of this year, but everything just took longer than we expected. And th there was just so much more to it than, than we had anticipated, even with my very like OCD, uh, you know, <laughs> approach to trying to get every single detail. I shouldn't say OCD, but I, I'm, I've, I try to get every detail in place before I start to do anything. And I just, even with this, with that obsession, I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> oh, and there was just tons of stuff that we, but, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a horrible thing like it was like this amazing learning experience and now we have like a much more realistic you know impression of like how long these things take how much stuff we have to get in order so when we do our second album <laughs> we will have a much better grasp on reality <laughs> yeah, and to be fair everything took longer than expected during this period of time from ordering cars to doing construction so mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah and the audio industry was no different yeah for sure yeah. It's true. And you know, some of us got sick too, unfortunately. Like, oh, yeah. like nope. So, somehow no COVID until after the album came out, I think, or it was <laughs> like toward, towards like when we were going to yep. um, yeah. release it. But yeah, we were, we were grappling with that too. We just had to be like, we can't, you know, we can't hurt ourselves to try to right. make this happen. So we just got to keep pushing it back, you know? And well, yeah. I mean, and you want to, you want to be proud of it when you release it and not yeah. cut corners and stuff and, and, and rush it. So it's, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And the, the themes that you chose from the games, they're just, it's such a great really cross section of kind of the history of game music in a way, because there's music from Final Fantasy VII and Nier and Hollow Knight and a couple of Zelda games, Ocarina of Time and Link's Awakening, and a couple of games that I'm really not all that familiar with, like The Gods Will Be Watching. <laughs> and, I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a deep, deep, deep dive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what, I, what I love about that track is the way the tension in it just builds and builds and builds it's just amazing and oh, be, <laughs> it'd be so cool if you could talk a little bit about how you put that one together um yeah the, the gods will be watching track um i i didn't really think of it in this way at the time when i was just working on it i was just super into this game i love the game studio um they're called deconstructing they're a three-person uh, game studio from spain and they do like just these really interesting narrative uh, driven games that are point and click adventures for the most part and um, this game was like a how do I describe it it was sort of like a space opera type thing mm -hmm. where it, it was there, there was like a, a, a rebel faction versus like you know essentially like this sort of like federation type thing and then there was also this like um, you know mercenary terrorist group thrown <laughs> in there too so it was a heavy heavy story and um, the game was all about resource management so basically every time you took a turn um you had to select what action you had to do but you can only do one action at a time and everything in the situation would would change so basically the idea was like you have you have to do all of these tasks you have to accomplish all these things and you don't have time for all of them so you're constantly like plugging holes on a sinking ship trying to hmm. keep you know everything from falling apart so for example the theme that i was arranging was from a level where you're trapped on this frozen planet that only gets five hours of sunlight a day 
And so that means you can only complete five tasks before the sun goes down. And one of them has to be building the fire. You also have to feed your comrades. You have to keep your morale up. And you have to write a speech, you know, to, to boost everyone's morale. You have to um, fight off, you know, predators in the night, all of this stuff. And you have to repair the radio. And it, so you have to do all of those things and you can only do five a day. And while you are fixing the radio, somebody else is losing morale. And while you're trying to feed your comrades, like, you know, you didn't prepare to, you know, defend against the predators and stuff like that. So it's, it's constantly the sense of immense anxiety is the best way I can describe this game. Wow. And um, I didn't, to, what I started to say before is I didn't think about it at the time because I just loved the game and the story. And I wanted to create that sense of just like this existential scream that's building up inside of you and sort of from the point of view of the main character who's trying to keep everybody just alive.
very cathartic expression of how I felt about the pandemic and just how it, it, you know you just keep going and nothing is changing but you have to like keep surviving and you don't know like when you're going to get out of this thing or if you're ever going to get out of this thing and it's it's one of my favorite things I've ever worked on it's very out of character for me I don't usually do like doom rock but um that's what I love about that's what I love about this group is that I had the you know environment where I could ex you know experiment with this new you know type of genre that I'd never really messed around with before and even though not every like there are other people in the group that haven't done this kind of music before but we all just kind of learned how to do it together and make it work with our you know you know sort of strange instrumentation for like a rock piece right and um yeah it, everybody just leaned into it really really hard and I love that we can we can explore that and not feel limited by our you know predominantly conservatory training that yeah. we can mess around with you know more contemporary styles. Well, it's, it's so successful. And like I said, the, the tension in it is, is just amazing. And then now it's really cool to hear, you know, what you were thinking about when you, when you made that arrangement. And I'm curious about how, I mean, you guys all chose the, the, tra the tracks, the cues from the games that you wanted. So did you just like go off to your, you know, separate corners and, and, <laughs> and work on them? I mean, how much like, you know, um, talk was there about well I want Final Fantasy 7 and I want to use <laughs> Hollow Knight and so how did you finally come to some kind of agreement about which uh, which games and which tracks were going to be included in the album I think you just perfectly described the conversation about Final Fantasy 7 <laughs> like that was it <laughs> so I want to I want there to be Final Fantasy in this. <laughs> or Final Fantasy 14 I should uh -huh. say oh yeah that was <laughs> yeah I mean I I, I guess we, we sat down and had a couple of meetings about like what the track list would be. And um, one big motivator for us to do this album was our MAGFest 2020 show, mm -hmm. where we had put together all these new arrangements for that. And we were really proud of them. So as part of the, you know, the, the, the leveling up that Laura described, like part of that feeling was let's, we really want to showcase these arrangements, you know? Um, and then from there, as you know, we had to postpone our plans and the pandemic carried on, um, we started to, you know, spend our time making new arrangements and dabbling with new ideas. And so as the it came time for us to revisit this whole album plan um, and to put together the rest of the track list, I think I would say we had about half of the album complete based on arrangements that we had already done. And then the other half were going to be new arrangements that we were doing specifically for this album. Now, how we chose what we wanted to arrange, um, we didn't have any sort of running theme in the sense of like, you know, this should be an album of this game's music or like we want this to be an album of, of like this genre or whatever. Um, it was really balancing just very essentially what we liked, you know, <laughs> music that we were interested in arranging that we had always wanted to arrange, balancing those uh, selections with 
considerations like you know how many up-tempo pieces do we have how many mm -hmm. slower pieces do we have um is this a well-known piece of music is this a piece that the diehard video game fans will definitely know or is this going to be a deep cut such as um rage keeps you alive that is going to be something that may actually lead a listener to the game rather than the other way around but at the end of the day I think something that I really like about this group, and I think that we all sort of have agreed on, is that our choices to arrange and perform video game music are always going to be rooted in our own individual passion for expression through that game. There's mm -hmm. There's got to be something about the piece of music that we want to arrange that is really exciting to us, and it really has to be about making great music first. We don't really think about, you know, um, oh, this this game is really popular right now. Let's arrange one of the tunes from that. You know, like sometimes that'll happen if we play the game and we go, oh my God, I love this music and I want to arrange it, you know, but it always is rooted in the, you know, the celebration of the music first and foremost, which is how we get some of the deeper cuts on the album as well. Um, I, th I would say CrossCode is probably in that camp as well. Pete started playing CrossCode and loved it and said hey it would be really cool if we did this track on the, on the album and you know there was no way we we're gonna say like no we can't do that nobody knows this game you know <laughs> so yeah yeah pete i'd love to hear about how you put your crosscode track together because that's a game that i'm not really familiar with either yeah crosscode is an interesting game because it's an rpg it is not an mmorpg but it takes <laughs> place inside of one like a fictional one <laughs> wow it's really interesting and yeah I, I really liked the music um it was done by a uh, younger composer uh Deniz Akbalut I believe mm. uh, it's a pretty small team as well uh and I just it really resonated with me I really liked I really liked it really liked the music a lot I got Ben and Sam to play it uh the rest of you have to uh um you better uh you better start and finish it by our next album um <laughs> and i guess how the arrangement just came together i was just like all right i want to make something fun out of this and i i didn't do like a big medley kind of thing i just want because i think the soundtrack wouldn't have i think maybe for that track specifically it wouldn't really have worked but i think i don't know i just kind of slapped it all together and said Hey, does any of this uh, seem impossible to play? And everyone said yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
yeah. yeah. And then at the last second, they were like, oh, by the way, Mateus, this, this gap here is your solo. <laughs> We I'm forgot like, to tell oh, Matthew had a solo. Okay. Right. <laughs> Give me I a few there hours. Was... <laughs> <laughs> There's like one part at the end of the track where we go into um, into seven at the end, and it, it is incredibly fast. Everyone's doing something hard, and we were just we we must have run that like small portion more than anything else we rehearsed on any other song. And finally, mm-hmm. we were like, "Do we need to change the tempo?" And we were like, we all kind of looked at each other like. I don't know, maybe. And then I think when we went to the recording session, we forgot to change the tempo, like to the slower one. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think we played it at the faster tempo accidentally. No, it was no. Kind of the, way, <laughs> the way around. We were okay. It was the other oh, way was around. We, we started too slow, and then we were like, "Oh, this is actually like, yeah, it, it didn't." Oh, that's something right. Something felt wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we slowed it down, and we were like, "This isn't working. We got to speed it back." <laughs> Laura, it was it was mysterious woods where I forgot to change the tempo, and we oh, didn't, yeah. and we just completely <laughs> forgot to address it. And it sounds good, so uh, it's fine. <laughs> we, had some, we had some tempo uh mistakes all over like i remember at the end of rage keeps you alive i wanted a ritz hard on though like i wanted it to slow down gradually and none of us noticed that i didn't do that <laughs> so, i think it sounds fine yeah it worked it worked but it was just it was just hilarious like so many things that we made harder for ourselves just because we like forgot to check it but we didn't <laughs> Yeah, crosscode was a blast. I would like to add about crosscode. Um, th- there was like plenty of moments on in recording this album where what I'm about to talk about happened, but crosscode was an example of how, uh, like a very prominent example of how our and our recording engineer Chris G- Gilroy of um, mm. Douglas Recording Studio uh, chipped in and or like chimed in with some of some of his own like thoughts and ideas where it's like this kind of i'm not sure if this is working out the way you want it to let me let me let's try something that i think will help one of them was adding switching out our drummer dom palombi switching out his snare drum with their 3d printed drum (laughs) that they had printed and and it was it sounded it sounded awesome there was the, the, another another point it was in Pete's guitar solo cuz you can hear two guitar solos in there Pete played the first solo and he like clicked on every distortion pedal he's got you know and like so it like sounds really big and Chris was like this isn't this isn't insane enough Pete <laughs> we have to do a double solo and we and and like please it, like he was like, humor me, please. He takes out this amplifier that was like, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong. He like made it out of an old radio or something. No, if I think I, I'm not sure if he, if they made it, but I know he, it was like an amplifier that was basically a fifties radio. Um, oh. It basically has, he, Chris was telling me, oh, maybe he did build it because he said the innards of it were basically a fender amplifier, but, it was like a little radio and it just it sounds like just insanely crunchy if you did anything else through it it would sound horrific yeah it sounded like it sounded like te- like a bunch of swarms of bees fighting yeah but like but like like put together put together with the other solo it sounds just so big and insane and it was it was absolutely perfect and like it it was it, just in general but like making this album like it was something that like a really welcome surprise that we weren't expecting was to have like 
musical input from our sound engineer who really did make it sound better. Yeah. You know, I'd wow. really put, he understood the, the assignment of mania mode more than any of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more it, it, like it's it's one thing to make it sound good in post, but like to be in the studio and be like, I I can hear what you want, you know, and it's yeah. like, like it helps yeah. lead you there. He wow. at one point he gave me a he didn't like he let me borrow it. He didn't give it to me, but he gave me a distortion pedal to to play on for like. I think for rage keeps you alive. He's like, you're, you want a little more like crunchiness, don't you? I was like, yeah, I do. And I ended up buying that pedal later because of his, <laughs> because of, uh, just because he thought to do that, you know? Wow. That's so awesome. Gives you a whole nother level of respect for George Martin with the Beatles, right? Oh, yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Well, I would love to talk with, um, you guys, Ben and, and Mateus about your collaboration with the music from hollow night, because, First of all, it's such a, a welcome kind of quieter track after the mania of the, <laughs> of the first two. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you guys work together on that one? I think the first time that uh, we worked on this arrangement, uh, I was the one that just kind of like uh, plopped things down on paper. And we were in Avalok, I think, which is like a music camp retreat kind of thing. Uh, which uh, we used our time there to basically workshop these arrangements that were going to present at the MegFest 2020 show. And um, one of the things that was interesting from the beginning of the group is that some of us have more knowledge, I guess, or like we've, we got more into certain types of games and we kind of complement each other in a weird way. Like how Doug is like a, a, a crazy person on Sonic, like all the Sonic games. He's just like insane and knows every, you know, nook and corner of every every one of those games. Um, I played a lot of Zelda um, and Ben, like with Final Fantasy. And, you know, and it, it is interesting, which I think this is what kind of made our jam sessions be so fruitful because all it took was one of us to know a tune. We didn't even need music in front of us. And we'll be able to just be like, all right, okay, so it's an F and you like, okay, okay, let's go. Boom. And then <laughs> wow. we make it happen for like, you know, 20 minutes. We're playing, uh, jamming on a certain track, right? Um, and uh, so anyway, one of my personal problems is that I am a completionist. So it basically means that I play less games, but I have to get 100% of them. So like, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild, I have to get 900 Koroks, you know, the same with Hollow Knight. <laughs> uh, I had to get everything in the game. And I just really loved the game. Um, not only the art and the story, but, you know, yeah, and how how impactful the, the music is in that game. And so I basically just got some of my favorite themes and was like, okay, can, you know, can I basically mash all of these together? And... Ben helped out a lot with uh, the orchestration side of things, you know, hmm. um, I had like maybe like one or two good ideas of like, okay, like this is a cool way that we can create this texture of like changing these notes between in the beginning it was vibraphone and guitar. And then um, at the end, I think it was piano and vibraphone. I can remember. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Ben, you want to? Yeah. Tell yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not, uh, much more beyond that, but yeah, it's like Mateus basically fleshed out the skeleton of the whole thing while we're at Avalok, and then I sort of like put in the orchestrational touches and added a couple of extra things. I gave Mateus a really wicked fast, like 30 second note thing somewhere near the end, 
because I think I was listening to Vivaldi earlier the day or something. I'm not, I don't quite remember.
It was also interesting because that 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 track uh, because 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 you decided to put the um, the sort of like battle music at the end. I I really enjoy how that track is kind of a fake out a little bit, and it starts as this classical music chamber music type thing, um, which I think is really which actually went over pretty well when we performed it at Magnus. I think there was a little bit of reservations about like. Uh, like this is kind of like a chamber music thing is this gonna is this yeah. gonna be all right yeah. um but it was really it like in that we worked with uh it was, it was Basunify and Kristen Nigus were both yeah. added on to provide some uh to um oh and Will Roger to, to provide some extra wins for this one so it was kind of a chance for us to like explore our conservatory side like a little bit and then do the fake out and jump right back into pretty like extreme medley rock type type of things. Um, also, I will say, and this is me cheating a little bit with with the with the final battle section there. I've always been like a really big fan of the music of Steve Reich, and because it's in three, and because there was some pretty heavy hocketing uh, syncopation stuff. If you look deep into the score, there's just there are rhythms from Steve Reich's clapping music just the entire <laughs> wow. time, all the way through. Yeah, like in wow. in like the drums and the piano and the guitars and all that kind of stuff. And I think I quoted his uh, percussion sextet. So Doug's part has a little bit of um, you know quarters on top of eight. There's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a very <laughs> Yeah, like, but like again, like, like this is the kind of thing that I like to do, which is like sneak in like deep cut references to things that you don't need Easter to know. Yeah, the famous like, Ben Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. dropping in Easter eggs. Yeah, so if anybody knows the last movement of Steve Reich's sextet and what the vibraform parts look like, that's a Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that until. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, if you look at the score, if you zoom in really far, you'll see that I actually drew the Steve Reich's face. Oh, yeah. No, it's in there. Yeah, that's the Doing all the yeah. different notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think you said No. Isn't, isn't there some other quote from somebody that it's like good composers borrow, great composers steal, or something yes. like that? Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Oh, I sorry, I have to say one more thing. When Matthias mentioned the the little change at the beginning from vibraphone and flute to vibraphone. Guitar. 
yeah, and guitar to vibraphone and piano. That that was also another sort of like Steve Reich influence as well, because I know that in a lot of his music, the piano and vibraphone specifically act as the sort of backbone for a lot of pieces. Like you can see that in, well, uh, yeah, you can see it in things like music for 18, 18 musicians, it's in sextet, it's in double sextet. It's in all of his orchestra pieces too, where like the percussion instruments provide this sort of like rhythmic backbone. Um, so that little dun, doo -dee 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 -dee. so we changed that to piano and vibraphone because it's that, that that's a combination that works. And also, again, it had that repetitive echoey um, canon, see, you know, canon type thing going on. Um, so, so that was also another, another um, that was me deliberately being like, yoink, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take that. Well, what's really cool is, you know, you can, you can do this like Steve Reich, sneaky, sneaky thing and, and know that they can handle it. I mean, that's, that's really <laughs> yeah, the cool part. I mean, you yeah. guys really trust each other to have the chops to play this stuff, which is just astonishing. So um, it speaks volumes to, you know, your, your talents and the way you guys collaborate together, which is just so cool. So I'll just leave that there. That's just, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> well, the other really cool thing about the album is that you've brought in some just incredible musicians, you know, who've become friends over the years, like Kristen Nagus and Will Roger, who's been a, a friend of yours, Doug, like forever. And <laughs> just all these at Basunify and Carlos Insane in the Rain. And so what was kind of the, I don't know, the, the idea to reach out to them and include them? You know, I think collaboration is probably one of our core values um, as a band. Because honestly, the, the initial conception of this band was always very modular. I think um, when we started doing video game music arrangements, especially um, a great example of this would be our 2016 show. If you look at the, the, the composition of what the band was at that show versus what it became in 2020, that band didn't really have a core the way it does now, mm -hmm. but it was always more about arranging the music that we wanted to arrange and playing with the people that we wanted to play with. Mm -hmm. um, this actually loops back to your question from uh, much earlier in the interview about our strange orchestration <laughs> or instrumentation. And, you know, we really don't necessarily think about what instruments do we want in the group as much as we think about what musicians do we want to work with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> Yeah, when we were putting this album together, I think, especially based on the fact that half of our arrangements came from that MAGFest show, where we had collaborated with other musicians, um, we wanted to keep that spirit alive. So yeah, in many cases, the musicians that we uh, chose to collaborate with were musicians who we had always wanted to collaborate with, um, and wanted to have an opportunity to showcase or to experiment with to say what happens if we put French horn in this texture, you know, hmm, yeah. um, so on and so forth. Wow. So how did you get them involved then? Did you send them their their parts and they just recorded them like long distance? Because, you know, Kristen's in Florida and I'm not sure where Will is these days, maybe Seattle. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, were you able to just get their stuff like remotely? Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we recorded the uh, the core band minus Mateus, unfortunately, together at the recording studio. Mm -hmm. And then for anybody who uh, was a great distance away, we asked them to send in recordings. Um, that's one of the nice things about this community of video game musicians that we work with is that everybody has 
actually great knowledge and capacity to record themselves. Yeah. Um, something that you don't really see in the classical music world in general very much, but in the classical music VGM world, <laughs> it's it's quite common to have uh, to have working knowledge for home recording techniques. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so great. Well, you teased Laura a little bit that there might be a second album. Um, is that <laughs> <laughs> sort of sort of in the works? Or are you just gonna let this one you know play out I for mean... like a little bit? <laughs> I want to do another one. <laughs> we, we all would love to do another one. However, I've... we're not we're not done with our Kickstarter rewards yet, which yeah. include yeah. writing four more arrangements and recording them and making videos and and things. And uh, we we have been work, working on those. We workshopped those over um, at, at the Avalok Farm Institute that Mateus uh, referenced earlier. We were there again this year, and uh, we explicitly workshopped those four arrangements and we're working on them now but uh um second album is something of course we dearly would love to do and it just has to wait a little bit yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I, I have designs on us eventually doing some sort of like horror halloween themed album someday i think that'd be super fun we actually have a bunch of ideas for arrangements that would that would fit super well on an album like yeah. that so hopefully someday we can do that but yeah, yeah nothing officially in the works uh, yeah. at the moment but, but we talk about ideas all the time yeah we, we throw around like i mean some, sometimes the ideas are serious sometimes the ideas are pretty dumb <laughs> um I, I i proposed to the band to make an album that would be a uh um that that would be making social commentary on copyright law <laughs> the album the album would be called derivatives and the idea would be to create an album that is as difficult to license as possible <laughs> lots of that and we'd have to get like uh you know special permission from every single like we couldn't just mechanically license yeah. it like a normal yeah. way we, 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 we would have to like set up like a meeting between like uh you know like koji kondo and grant kirkhope or something like that you know <laughs> Well, that that would I would love to I would love to be in on that meeting. That particular meeting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have to get the lawyers in from Square Enix and Nintendo and Microsoft and Blizzard and yep. that. the greatest sure. union of opposing yeah. factions that the world has ever seen. The, the Kickstarter be, will just be for legal fees. Well, yeah, seriously, it'd be like League of Legends, only in a, like a legal way, and so with yeah, all the lawyers. Legal Legends. Legend. Wow. That's good. That's good. We have a name. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing wow hey do you do you understand what you've just done oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> these are the kinds of ideas we take and we run with yeah okay well then i want a royalty check <laughs> starter okay, we can't do it can't do it this can't, Str this can be stretch goal Right. <laughs> well, I, I know it's been a really rough year for performing concerts, like a rough couple of years. And so I'm wondering if you guys are eager to get back and, and start performing again, if you have any concerts lined up. We definitely would are trying to get back into it. What my one of the things that I was doing over right before the pandemic, it was right after MAGFest, we were like, we're like, let's keep the momentum going. And I'll start like email a bunch of uh a bunch of venues in the New York area and the Connecticut area, and even maybe a little further, like, like, like Philadelphia, New Jersey and stuff. And the pandemic hit and it was like, okay, well, that was, that was all for naught. but hmm. I have been doing that again recently. And we just played two shows 
in New York, one at uh, the independent arcade bar uh, Wonderville, who their arcade faction, uh, we actually heard about them through MAGFest. They uh, they do a little display every year at the, the IndieCade portion and yeah. then we played a show at the cutting room in uh in manhattan the week after um so we don't have anything we don't have anything else lined up just like live performances just yet but we're working on it because we we're we're trying to get back out there go to instagram.com slash disco cactus music to find out more about uh, our upcoming <laughs> concert <laughs> <laughs> See, you really do sound like somebody that was edited in after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it like that. And <laughs> wow, it's been so much fun to talk with all you guys, and I'm just absolutely blown away by the album. And I want to thank all of you for for taking some time to just you know have a deep dive about the album. So thank you all. So absolutely, much. thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.